This podcast contains general health information and shouldn't be relied on as medical advice. Information is current at the time of recording. If you have any health concerns, speak to your doctor. HCF doesn't endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. HCF acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining me on Menopause Matters, brought to you by HCF, Australia's largest not-for-profit health fund. I'm your host, Alison Bray-Datto. In our final episode of the series, we're going to celebrate the joy of post-menopause, the things to look forward to, how great the second act of a woman's life can and should be. I am thrilled to be joined by two women who put the fab in fabulous, both esteemed authors and comedians. Jean Kitson, author of You're Still Hot to Me, and author of the iconic Puberty Blues, Kathy Lett. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the joys of post-menopause. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Treasure. Yeah. Thanks, Sally. Before we get into the fun stuff, I do want to know how you both managed menopause. Jean, what was your first inkling that you were heading towards menopause? I hadn't really thought about it at all. And I was on stage and I was addressing all these young tech like young men in their 30s. And I was on stage and I had this silk top on, this gold silk top on. And I think it was the first time I ever said, is it hot in here? (laughs) Is it hot? Is anyone else hot? Because I started perspiring and it was running down my face and I kept wiping it off. And I don't perspire. And I I was looking at the lights and I'm looking out at this sea of young men and we were actually down near the near the harbour. It was a venue near the harbour and the doors were open. I thought, it can't be that hot. But I just started (laughs) sweating or perspiring, as my mother taught me to say. Only (laughs) horses sweat. That's right. But I was sweating, let me tell you. And And then I looked down and this silk top I had on, not only did I have perspiration marks under my arms, but under my boobs, yes. down the front, mm. round the side. It looked, it had turned into this camouflage. And I thought, oh, how, what? I was so humiliated. I remember just cutting, you know, what I was going to say down to bare minimum and just getting off stage. I was so embarrassed. I had no, no one takes a hanky on stage. Yeah. You know, like I had nothing to wipe my head with. And that was the first time yeah. that I ever came. Then I thought, what is this? What's going on? You yeah. feel like your body's turned into a science experiment. Yeah. It's the, like, you sweat so much, it's like the Gestapo are trying to get a confession out of you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's horrifying yeah. and, and terrifying, and, but also kind of fascinating in a way. Well, it's a whole different realm of hot, isn't it? Because it's not like you're just in a hot room. It's the combustion from within. And I always found that it came with a lot of adrenaline at the same time. Like I would be hot, but like really wide awake hot. Certainly middle of the night hot was just... Well, you're having impossible. your own weather. And it's okay if it's in the middle of winter. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. in summer, and, and I live, live a lot of time in London, and you're on the tube in summer, mm. and then you just think you are a volcano and you yeah. are erupting. 
But also, even in the winter, I would throw open all the windows and all the rest of my family would be, get, would be getting hypothermia and have stalactites growing out of their nostrils, you know. That's right. And I was still hot. Yeah. And then there's, <laughs> then there's the menopause with this terrible sweating. And then just when everything goes quiet, of course, do you know what happens? You grow a beard. Yeah. I mean, how can that be fair? Yes. I mean, Jean and I, we talk, We could make a macrame hanging basket arrangement yes. from what's going on on it. Always have scenario. tweezers in the car, I Always say. in the car. <laughs> Top tip, that's oh, right. No, I was doing it yesterday in preparation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, no. the, but the good thing is, too, the only good thing about getting older is, yes, you get the hairs on the chin, but your eyesight goes down, so you can't always see yes. them. You don't judge yourself too much, do no, you? No, no. You, just when the wrinkles are appearing, your eyesight, <laughs> you lose your eyesight, which is handy. <laughs> Kathy, you talk about your life in two acts with mm-hmm. menopause as the interval. What was the interval like for you and how did you get through? Well, uh, when it started happening to me, of course, I didn't know what was going on because then people didn't talk about the menopause. And yes. Jean and I have talked about this a lot too. Like our mothers never talked about it. We vaguely remember them being in kind of like a, a cardigan coven in the corner of the kitchen talking about, what did they call it? The chain. The chain, yes, like a coven of witches that turn it's around and look over their shoulder and mutter. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> My mother used to come home from work and sit in the corner of, on a like a rocking chair with a bottle of sherry, and and we'd come home and she'd go, "I didn't do any shopping today. Just I don't know what's for dinner. Just pick some chocos off the back fence, yes. you know." And she'd be rocking forage, forage in the garden. Yeah, but but so we didn't know. I didn't even really know what it was. My our generation have helped take the stigma out of menopause Absolutely. big time. Absolutely, because we've we talked about it, and it was a taboo subject because of course women are brought up to be, you know, decorative and demure and our fecundity is a big part of our what we perceive to be our, our attraction. So the fact that the menopause, you're supposed to have passed your amuse-by date, yes. that you are then past the menopause, you're kind of a worthless human being. That's right. Is what kept the stigma around the menopause. Also, the stigma came from fear because a lot of women were institutionalised. That's right. If women got a little bit feisty, if they gave their kids yeah. a burnt chop, if they expressed an opinion, <laughs> they could be locked up with climacteric insanity <gasps> and they were put away and then they were treated. Yeah. If they were flooding, they had radioactive rods inserted into yeah. their vaginas. They were, yeah. they were shaved to the hot flushes. They were given hysterectomies. They were given lots of opium, which was a compensation. <laughs> but they, so they weren't very quiet about it. Mm. Often I hear um, people, even Prince Philip, I remember seeing a story on Prince Philip and his mother was um, institutionalised when she was in her 40s. And I thought, I wonder if that was from menopause. Perimenopausal, mm. yeah. But mum, when she went through menopause, she was working for the doctors and I, you know, in a surgery. And I said, didn't you talk to the doctors about your menopause? She said, oh no, they would have considered it women's problems. Yeah. Right. And then my dad said, women's problems are men's problems, which is <laughs> a true. Well, that is so true. It is so true. Did yeah. your mum talk to you about menopause? No, no, when I got all the symptoms, I rang her up because my mum talked to me about everything quite yeah. openly. Right. She was a feminist and early member of the women's electoral lobby, and but she never <laughs> talked about menopause. And I said to mum, did you go through menopause? And she said, it's the worst five years of my life. And I'm going, five years? Yeah. <laughs> this is a woman yeah. who lived through the Great Depression <laughs> and World War Two, yeah. and menopause. <laughs> and that was the worst. worst. Oh, God. But they still, there still is the sexism around. I know we, we have taken the stigma away from menopause a lot, but yeah. even recently the Bank of England said, oh, the economy's going through a menopausal phase, meaning it was sluggish and slow. And I thought, hang on a minute. The most powerful, exciting, interesting women in the world at the moment are 
Menopause, menopause. Absolutely. You know, yeah. absolutely. So it's we still have a we still have a lot to battle against. And I think the best way to battle against it is to have a brilliant second act. Mm. So as you asked me earlier, yes, I think life is in two acts. I think the trick for women is surviving the interval, which is the menopause. But once you get through that, to me, it's the best time of a woman's life. Yeah. Because okay, no pregnancy scares, no periods. And also because your kids hopefully have flown the Moved nest out the home. door by 24 is the rule. You're no longer tethered to the kitchen by your heart and your apron strings. Yep. And you can have a life. And now we've got the rocket fuel of HRT. Yes. You know, we can climb Everest and go down the Amazon and, you know, tap dancing on tabletops in Soho or whatever. Yeah. So I think for the first time in history, really, women can have a brilliant second act and don't feel guilty about it. So, you know, just go forth and be fabulous. Yeah. And that is such a message that women who are in their 30s need to hear because, you know, it's just got this idea that menopause is the end of so much of your exciting life as a woman. And yet we're not getting that message out enough. No, none of my friends had spoken about menopause or talked about treatments or anything like that. And I went into the chemist shop because, you know, garlic and chocolate and wine wasn't working and the tuna was coming off <laughs> Sadly. and the tuna was going on. Yes. And my husband had hypothermia. And I went in and I spoke to the well-groomed woman behind the counter who was probably menopausal. She was about my age. And I said to her, look, I don't know what's going on, but I can't sleep at night and I get the wake up really hot and, you know, what's happening? And she glanced furtively around the shop and then she mouthed the words, <laughs> she didn't even whisper it. She mouthed them oh as if it was something to yeah, be ashamed yeah, like of. Like a disease. Yeah. As if she was saying, your nipple is showing. Yeah. You know, like, oh. ah! Yeah. And then I couldn't believe it because my first job was in a chemist shop when I was 14. And then the modests were kept behind the counter mm, wrapped yeah. in all the sanitary napkins. This is back in the 1960s. Yeah. Right. Wrapped in brown paper and women would come up to the counter and whisper, I'd like some modests, please. And everyone would get embarrassed. And, you know, you'd, yeah, it's like you'd, that. Yeah. Mm. And I couldn't believe that 40 years, 50 years later, here they are whispering about Menopause, like it was something to be ashamed mm, of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to know, how did you both deal with your symptoms of menopause? I found it really, after I got my menopause under control with HRT, I found it incredibly liberating. It lets me sleep. The worst thing and is not get... sleeping at night. Oh, it's oh. the worst. Jean's right. Sleep deprivation is a mm. torture in some yes. of the more repressive regimes in the world because yeah. it works. I mean, yeah. you confess to anything That's yeah, right. to get exactly. a good night's sleep. But also you get your sex drive back. Mm. Yeah. You know? And we've got a friend who said beautifully that she's been on HRT for about 25 years because she likes having a sex drive. She said, I live by myself, so I'm not driving anywhere, yeah. but I like the way it makes me feel. And she said... My libido is my libido. I don't have it for a man. So it just, she said, you know, no amount of adult pottery classes can make me feel the same way. So it's really great that it just gives you this mojo and it gives you an energy and it makes you feel like you might have felt when you're, you know, young before you had all the responsibilities of 
family and work and kids and husbands, suddenly you remember who you were, Mm. you know, as a person. I couldn't agree with that more. I I remember just I was writing the book about how when women come together, like even just standing in line for the bathroom, you're talking to the woman next to you, you just met, and already you're talking about intimate details that as if she's (laughs) known, you've known her for years, but we do that so well. I think there's so much of our biology that bonds us. We have a common understanding that life can be tough. The other hard thing for women, when you are start going through the menopause, you're usually in your late 40s, early 50s, whatever. So just as your hormones are leaving the building, your teenage daughters, their hormones are kicking in big time because we have children a bit later now. There is a terrible clash that happens between mums yes. and daughters. I think low self-esteem is hereditary. You get it from your teenage daughters because they can be very, very judgmental. Yes. I mean, living with a teenage daughter is like living with a Taliban. You're not allowed to <laughs> laugh, sing, dance, wear short skirts. Right. And when, when my daughter, Georgie, was little, do you remember, Gina? Yeah, I, yeah. I used to wear this pink leopard skin mini skirt and I knew she didn't approve. So I was going out one night and I crept down the stairs. I got to the front door, opened the door and she heard me and she was like... She came running after me. She said, what are you wearing? Go back to your room. You're not going out dressed like that. And I remember <laughs> saying to her, but surely my legs are okay. I can still wear a short skirt. She said, it's not the legs, mum. The skirt doesn't go with your face. <gasps> Ouch. Ouch. But they, they, they do come through oh, it, don't they? Jean's they got do, two yeah. great fabulous daughters. And and they're, yeah. well, they, they're taken hostage by their hormones from about yeah. 13 to Yeah, 19. but let me tell you, when the when the planet teenager hits planet menopause, there's no context. <laughs> I mean, planet menopause is a supernova. It just, just disintegrates. I found that it was just, you know, really easy to... But, Wipe the floor with any um, nonsense around the teenage <laughs> hormones. I had my daughter the other day see a photograph of me and she looked at she goes, wow, mum, that's, wow, you look so different. You look really, really old. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. And she goes, yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you just look really, really, really old. I was like, okay, I'm just going to take that for face value and um, just move along. So just, I, yeah. I get it. I well, get it. We just say read between my lines. And also, <laughs> and also I, I, listen, aging is better than the alternative. That's what I always and, and say. And I don't even like the term We've, anti-aging cream. No, yeah, no, of course Why not. can't we age? Yeah, that's right. We've been aging since we were born. Mm. When you're in primary school, you age like the clappers and nobody worries about aging exactly, then. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you look like. It's yeah. how you feel and what you think and you know I, really- I did grow out a lot, I have to say, in menopause. I wasn't quite expecting the out as much as growing you look up. Fabulous. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? It was a, it was a surprise. I didn't I didn't recognise it that the weight gain was going to be such a oh, big deal. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it can just happen. Yeah. But it, it doesn't matter either. No. Because then later on, when you, when you threw all those ho- hormonal fluctuations, you just get back to more or less your normal weight. Did menopause affect your relationships with your husband at the time, or affect your family in any way? Was there any changes in that? Well, I place? got divorced, and was that because of going through that and having some recognitions? Well, or? I think I was unhappy for a while, but yeah. I didn't have the mojo to, to the gumption to actually getting divorced is like turning around a huge ocean liner. How about you, Jean? Did it impact you at all? Well, my husband said he went through menopause twice because (laughs) he went through menopause with me and then I was writing the book and he did the cartoons in it. So I suppose because we just could talk about it 
and he, yeah. you know, and, and he's emotionally articulate, and he's got they've got two daughters, so it's a very female centric yeah. household. It is a very anyway. female centric. Right. He'd, he'd been through puberty with the girls. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. There's no secrets and no taboos, and but you do need to talk about things and yeah. let everyone know what's going on and what's not going to go on. How different do you think menopause will be for your daughters when they go through it? Well, I don't think they'll be afraid of it because yeah, we've good. spoken about it. They'll be prepared. They'll understand that perimenopause can kick in 10 years earlier. So yes. hopefully they'll understand their fertility mm. and they won't suddenly get a hot flush at 40 and thought, but I haven't had my kids yet. <laughs> I see all those Hollywood stars having kids at 50. What's this hot flush? <laughs> it's all over Red Rover. Yeah. Like, so they'll, I'm hoping they understand a lot more about their bodies about their ovulation, mm-hmm. about their fertility. But, um, but thanks yeah. to the baby boomers, because we've redefined every age we've lived in and we are now going to redefine getting older. Yes. And getting back to the joys of postmenopause, because I, I, I am such a huge advocate of this second fabulous sensation, yes. sizzling second act. I do a lot of travel writing. I have a travel column on, in one of the British papers. And the new big trend is for grey hostelling because to have a, a brilliant second act doesn't mean you have to have a lot of money. Older women, often we haven't put the same amount of money in our super. We also no, we um, haven't had the opportunity. We didn't have equal pay. Yeah. We might have had a terrible divorce. So you often end up without not as much money as we'd like, but still craving this sensational second act. So older women are taking over youth hostels in Europe. So you, it's called grey hostelling. I was sent on a story by my editor and I got to the youth hostel and thought, all these young people were walking in. I was in Porto and I thought, this is so embarrassing. I'm the, I'm the only one here with wrinkles, not pimples. <laughs> but then gradually all these solo women travellers of a certain age started drifting in. Right. And I got to talk to them. They were from all over the world. And when I did some research on it, 80% of solo travellers are older women. Really? And they go, why they like going to a youth hostel, it's got a little bit of a communal living. So yeah. you say, hi, where are you from? What are you doing today? Do you want to join up? Do you want to travel to the next place together? Yeah, it'll say, well, where have you been? Where's where good been? to go? Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. there's, there's websites where you can see, I'm going here. Anyone else going there? Let's meet up. Mm. And of course, they're so interesting. Mm. Older women are so much more interesting than younger ones because they've lived. <laughs> yeah. They've had the marriages, the divorces, the promotions, the dramas, the toy boys, the traumas, whatever. So, you know, I just would go out with them every night and we'd drink and laugh and swap stories and it was so riveting and so interesting. So there is this great movement happening out there of older women seizing this second act and having a brilliant time. You just need to tap into it. Put yourself first for the first time in your life because you bloody well deserve it. I've noticed too that there's a lot of women travel together as well. A lot of girlfriends travel. Mm. You see the girlfriend walking groups, the swimming groups. How important is girlfriends going through <laughs> menopause, post-menopause. What does it mean to you both to have girlfriends at this time? Everything. Yeah, yeah. it's so important it's... to be able to just get together and laugh and laugh. Mm. I mean, that's something you've <laughs> said about not being as funny as men or that. Women are hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, first of all, when women get together, we strip off to our emotional undies in about 3.6 so seconds. Fast. And it's a yeah. psychological striptease that reveals all. Yeah. And I, I think there is a bit of a difference between male and female humour. I think my male friends are very funny, but they tend to sort of tell set jokes. It's a way of being friendly but not intimate. Right. Women never tell set jokes. Our humour is anecdotal, cathartic confessional. Yes. And it's hilarious. I mean, when you go on a, when we go on a girls' night out, Jean and our gang, 
we have to be hospitalized from hilarity. <laughs> <laughs> That's the and, best. And it's not just me imagining it because anthropologists say that women in all cultures on the planet laugh more often than men, especially in all female groups. Your friends are essential. If you can just carve out a bit of time, even for a walk, because I know mm. a lot of women, especially time poor. where they're time poor because now they have grandchildren. Right. And a lot yeah. of them are taking three and four days looking after grandchildren while yeah. both of the son or the daughter and the partners, they've got, both got jobs trying to pay, out, pay off a mortgage. So everyone, you think you're going to have more time and sometimes you have less, but at least you know that getting together with friends is it's just the best tonic, mm-hmm. best, better than dieting, better than exercise, <laughs> just it's good all round. And if you can just carve out a bit of time to do that once a week mm. is really important. Did menopause change the way you took time for yourself or were you already able to do that? I I know for me, that was the first time I actually gave myself time just for me. You know, I'd done the whole, you know, the thing of he's more important, the kid's more important, the house is more important. And that was the best change for me ever is going through menopause and finding the me time. Did Did that change for you at all? Yeah, I think it's a time for a reset. Okay, that was interval now. Reset, Mm. what is my second act? Yeah. And I'm going to take some time for myself and not feel guilty about it. So, yeah, I think that is definitely a time for reappraisal. You realise too how short life is and you think, how do I actually want to spend me, me, my next three, four decades, hopefully. And women don't do that. We're always putting ourselves last. As Jean said, you take the burnt chop. You never take the window seat on the aeroplane. You know that um, some of the upper primates, this is a bit that I have to change in my book, actually. I said the only other species to go through menopause are some of the upper primates. Oh, yeah. And then now now they've found out that they only go through menopause in captivity. No. Yeah. Wow, doesn't that say a lot? Okay. But there is a species, the only other species that goes through menopause in the wild is the killer whale. Yes. The killer whale. There were some English scientists whose hypothesis was why don't they die after they go through menopause? Because if a biological imperative is to breed, and then why don't they just die? And they found out that the killer whales who go through menopause, they they are important for the survival of the pod because they know where the safe places They're are. Wise. They know where the They're food wise. is. They, they know lead where the to pod. go. They lead. Mm. Yeah. So I think we, when we get hit menopause, we do start feeling like we know stuff mm. and we do, we can apply that to ourselves. It doesn't happen straight away. Like I know people will be going, I'm still not giving myself me time. Like I, yeah. I do that myself, but I know really how to look after myself. I know how to seize the moment rather than the day. Yeah. Yeah, you no. know, I really know how to like just take the time to be really appreciative and mm. of where I am and take my pleasures where I can. And yeah. I think with us too, a lot of us um, looking after elderly loved ones, we do see that what what's in front of us and yeah. we do makes mm-hmm. us much more appreciative of doing what we can while we can. Yeah. I mean, that sounds bleak, but it's not. It's actually great. We, but, in many cultures, as, as you know, older women are seen as the matriarchs. They're seen as the wise women. And unfortunately, I think the Western world is not quite caught up to that as yet. How do we embrace the power of old women? How do we teach that? And how, as women, you know, as we age, 
how do we embrace, I know you two have embraced it, but how do we teach other people to embrace this? Well, uh, from my point of view, I think by doing what we're doing now, we talk about menopause right. and how it empowers us mm -hmm. and, yeah. and gives us freedom and liberates us from a whole lot of, you know, things, not just, you know, sanitary napkins. But um, <laughs> I think by the, us talking about it and, and not hiding ourselves away or not being mm. humiliated by it mm. and not letting anyone ridicule us at work, you know, in the old days, guys used to roll their eyes and go, oh, she's on. You know, like if you had your period, oh, she's menstrual. Blah, blah. And now they do it about menopause. Oh, she's menopausal. Yeah. So, and, and blame you for being menopausal rather than it's them. Most women now are in positions of power when they're menopausal. They're mm -hmm. ma in management or they're the top of whatever particular yeah. game they Christine are. Christine Lagarde, you know, Hillary Clinton, all these wonderful women who are still striding the world stage. Yeah. yeah I would also say don't give... Get, don't believe anything the fashion fascists tell you. Mm. You know, don't give in to beige cardigans and support hose. Wear what you like, when you like. Be strong and strident and sassy and why not? Yeah. If not now, when? You know, we've talked a lot on this series about this menopause movement, the meno movement that is surging forth. We are seeing a lot more women talk about menopause. When I first started talking about it, I didn't even realise that women in the media didn't talk about menopause. Mm. Because menopause sets you in a certain age most of the time. So, and apparently, you know, a lot of television producers would, will say, we don't care what age you are as long as you don't look it. But if you start talking about menopause, then everyone knows what yes. age you are and nobody talked about it. So, mm. you know, I come from the comedy side of entertainment industry rather than I'm not a newsreader or I don't have to be glamorous or anything like that. But I remember I started talking about it and it was being reported in magazines. And then this woman in my local supermarket came up to me behind me and she hissed, you shouldn't be talking about menopause. It's <gasps> private women's business. Oh, my goodness. I know, and she hissed at me. Mm. The big problem is that we don't see menopausal women. So 85% right. of people on Australian television over 50 are male. 85%. So as soon as a female newsreader, you know, gets one too many wrinkles, whatever, even if, if she's trying to do the Botox, they just get put out to televisual pasture. You know, I know you said that you first started talking about menopause when no one else was talking about it. Was that the impetus for writing your book? And was there any sort of revelations that you found once you began writing I wrote a book called HRT, Husband Replacement Therapy, because I think it also gives women the rocket fuel to leave an unhappy marriage. The majority of divorces now in Australia are instigated by women. And the two peak times is when the last child finishes school and when the husband retires. Because what we were saying earlier about what happens to women, that your estrogen goes down, your testosterone comes up a little bit. The opposite happens to men as they age, of course. Their testosterone goes down and their estrogen comes up. So when couples are retiring... They want different things. You know, the women are like, I want to go and take on the world and have adventures, you know, adventure before dementia. And the guy's like, I just like to stay at home and nest. Mm. And women are like, I've nested. I've nested yes. for decades. <laughs> like, let yes. me out of here. So there's a real dichotomy, I think, in what older Australians want. 
And unless men start to pull up their psychological socks, the women are just going to leave them far behind. And also the other thing that happens in retirement is that women get our self-worth from lots of different things. We get it from, yes, from our career and from our kids and and from what our hobbies and stuff, but from our girlfriends in particular. Right. Whereas, you know, I'm speaking, I'm just talking generally, but most men get their self-esteem from their work. So when they, and they mm. don't have that close network of, of friends the way that women do. So I always say that, you know, your women friends are your human wonder bras, uplifting, supportive and making each other look bigger and better. And Jean is one of my, we are each other's human wonder bras. Yeah. We've been <laughs> great friends forever. Yeah. And we've got a gang of girls called the Gerts. Our home is Gert by sea. Oh, that's gorgeous. I <laughs> so, love it. And when we retire, we're going to all put our money into a boat and call it HMS Panty Liner. <laughs> and we're going to sail around the world. And when one of us dies, we're going to be burial at sea. So we've got a kind of plan. Is there any final words that you would want to give to women who perhaps they've had an absolute crap time of it, you know, physically with their symptoms, mentally with their symptoms? What do we say to those women out there that are feeling in the thick of it going, I can't, I want to get to where you two are, but I'm not there yet? Change doctors. Okay. You might just be with a doctor who is not listening to you, which is happening to my sister right now. Yeah. So make sure you get a good doctor who listens to you. Yeah. And I would just say, feel no guilt, go forth and be fabulous. Mm. I agree. Get someone who knows what they're talking about and does listen to you. Even get a gynae, check you all out. And it passes, but you can manage it with the right information. That's why it was so important for me to write this book, a textbook, a manual to give us the information we need to be able to manage our lives the way we want to, you know. And when when you not have the information, you don't have the power to make those decisions. You can't have a proper conversation with a doctor if you don't know what you're talking about. And if you're Googling, all you find out is Mm. rosehip oil and rub it on your forehead, you know. But we we both would agree to get with your girlfriends. You You need your human wonder bras around you more than ever and make it a priority to see your girlfriends every week just for that nourishment of, of laughter. I mean, laughter is the best medicine. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's also nature's penicillin. Jean and Kathy, thank you so much. This is our final episode of Menopause Matters. And to end with you two has just been the best ending oh, possible. Oh. You've, you've left us feeling happy and joyful and looking forward. So. It's great. <laughs> just so many years. Well, you're a pro- beautiful examples of, of, you know, incredibly strong, powerful, intelligent, funny women. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. We'll oh. have to have a cocktail with you. Yeah, right, right good. now. <laughs> I think you might be a bit of a human one. Under bra too. Oh, I can oh, only hope. Support I can only yeah. hope. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Sally. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, there you have it. Talking with women like Kathy and Jean leaves me hopeful for the next generation of women. Because as we've discussed with the doctors and sex therapists and nutritionists, menopause can be a challenge, but there is support out there. There is a movement for more talking and owning who we are as women. We are powerful and have so much to offer and we deserve the best second half of our lives we can have. HCF believes in being a trusted health partner for members, delivering practical tips and real-life stories to help take charge of your health and well-being. For more helpful information about menopause and all things women's health, head to hcf.com 
www.ruthvanderbilt.com.au forward slash women's dash health. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Menopause Matters. It helps more women get access to great menopause insights. Thank you so much for joining me on this series. We hope we've answered questions and thoughts you might have had. Take good care of you. I'm Alison Bray-Datto. Thanks so much for listening. If you're struggling and want to speak to someone now, call Lifeline on 13 11 14.